Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio. Sit back and engage as we tackle the issues important to you and your family. It is our desire to equip you with up-to-date information, commentary, and solutions to life's biggest challenges facing our communities. Thank you for joining us as we embark on this journey to raise awareness about the importance of faith, family, and fatherhood in the African-American community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Executive Director at Fathers Incorporated, Kenneth Braswell. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell, and I'm glad that you could join us once again. Um, This week we have another exciting show um, for you. Um, On the line is a brother that I uh, saw his work pass by me um, on Facebook, I believe it was, or Twitter, one or the other. I'm always perusing those things so much, and there's so many um, of our people out there doing great work. But this was something that caught my eye, and I think that whenever uh, something catches your eye, Um, You should pay attention to it, and and, and God was just speaking to me um, through this brother's work. And I'm going to introduce him to you, and we're going to talk a little bit about his new book. But the brother that I have on the line, his name is Roosevelt Mitchell III, and he has a new book uh, called Caden is Different. Well, he's an author, an educator, and a professional ghostwriter. Um, He has a rich background working with individuals and families of all ethnicities with disabilities. And today he's a doctoral candidate at Lindenwood University and teaches special education for the St. Louis Public School District. He also continues to write, speak, and advocate for those with disabilities. How you doing, Brother Mitchell? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I just want to let you know uh, it's truly, truly a blessing to be on the show, and I thank you for the opportunity. Uh, It's my pleasure. You know, we... um, you know, I I can only imagine, and we won't go into this story at this time. I have to bring you back and talk about uh, what you have seen from your experience um, in the St. Louis area, given all of the activity um, that is taking place around Ferguson. I know you have a very unique perspective with respect to that, but we won't talk about that. Um, I really want to lean on this book. Caden is different. Um, I was on your uh, website this morning, um, and for those of you who want to know more information about his his work and also to purchase the book, uh, his website is www.disabilityscholar.com, and we'll be telling you that again towards the end of the show. Um, but I was watching your um, video piece in which you were talking about the book itself, and I was just even more pulled into it watching how you describe um, the content of the book. Talk to me about, give me the 5,000-foot overview of Caden Kaden is Different. Well, uh, Caden is Different uh, actually uh, came about as uh, one of my doctoral peers. Uh, he read my first book. My first book is called Diary of a Disability Scholar, in which uh, it's more of a, uh, speaking of disability through the lens uh, of media and how people with disabilities are viewed and treated unconsciously by uh, the rest of the society. So that book uh, is in several universities, including St. Louis University, uh, University of Missouri, St. Louis, and they sell it in a bookstore, and several other universities, and uh, different professors use it to uh, prepare their 
the future special education teachers to teach special education because it's it's viewing disability through the lens of a person who has a disability, which is myself. I was, I was born with a disability. Mm-hmm. You know, I was born, and my disability uh, is Caden's disability. You know, so the character actually came from uh, me. That's how I am. I was born with only seven fingers with uh, two fingers on my right hand. And so Caden has created an image of me, and he's named after my only son, Caden, right? So, uh, but the book uh, is actually my goal in creating it uh, was coming from my doctoral peer. He said, hey, I am a, a elementary principal, and we have a hard time bringing up disability to our students. So, uh, man, we need more books so my teachers can start that conversation. So, you know, right then it was like something just got in my spirit. To I couldn't shake it for the next three or four days to mm-hmm. where I woke up mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I end up, uh, you know, uh, writing a book and just, uh, and the goal is to just try to introduce being different and having a disability to kids at a younger age so they will, uh, we can hopefully normalize it to where they don't see it as being a difference. Yeah, let's take a step back, um, Roosevelt, for a minute because I was wondering whether or not, I, you know, typically when we write books or when individuals write books of this uh, magnitude and about these kind of subject areas, it is because they've had a personal experience and are in some way connected to the topic itself. Talk to me a little bit about your experience being a young boy with a disability and how you felt um, in those situations. And just kind of talk a, a little bit about the experience and, 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 and your feeling in the mix of that. Well, well, it was like um, W.E.B. Du Bois said in his classic, uh, The Soul of Black Folks, you know, he spoke about being black and being an American just you sort of kind of have a have to have a double consciousness. But in my first book, I speak about being black, being an American, and having a disability. It's sort of a triple consciousness, right? Because it's already if if we you know uh, as you said, we just gonna lean towards this conversation. But the Ferguson situation uh, reminds us of how that double consciousness still has to exist to some uh, sort. Uh, in America, but also to have a disability to be viewed as different because you, you have to think just if I was born 100 years ago, you know, they they uh, pushed disabled slaves off the slave ship mm-hmm. coming over here. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, they murdered disabled babies because they was viewed as, you know, damaged commodities because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to be a good slave, right? Mm-hmm. So to be born in this time era, in this space, is, is I believe is truly a gift. Right, so growing up being viewed as as that is different as are not being able to do certain things just because people don't understand uh I may have to do things different, so growing up like that and uh it it, it does something to your self esteem it does something to your uh uh to being able to really know who you are because uh just think uh you know when you cut on the t v you know, you see, you know, characters like a Denzel Washington or uh, a Terrence Howard. You see black actors, so, you know, in a kid's mind, okay, I want to be like them. But growing up with disability, you never see anyone in a positive role that you can mimic or want to be like. So growing up, you know, I was like, well, I don't know what I want to be because I don't see myself anywhere. Wow. Right? So developing a sense of self is was really, was really, really uh, 
something that I struggle with. And then, you know, your parents are, you know, my parents not disabled uh, as far as having a physical disability. So I know, so I've never seen anyone like myself. So, you know, that meandering path of knowing who I am and knowing uh, what I can achieve was, was really, really a struggle. Mm. Now, um, the book, um, you mentioned earlier that um, Caden is the name of your only son. And yep. so what, in your uniqueness in terms of your upbringing, uh, how, have, how, has, how have you been able to translate um, that into the self-esteem of your son? Well, it's different, uh, you know, and I always had this, uh, and, I sp- and I speak about this in Diary of Disability Scholar, uh, I, I never really wanted kids because I was afraid that my kids would have a disability and they wouldn't be able to, and they wouldn't be as strong-minded as I am and have to deal with the bullying, the unconscious bullying, because kids are mean, you know, you know and they have no filters, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another positive hoping that Caden is different or stop. You know, kids unconsciously bullying, you know, kids who are different. But, uh, you know, and then just having to console them and reliving all the things that I've been through, right? But, uh, it took, uh, but it took maturity for me to understand that, hey, uh, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. So if, if there's another disabled child, then that's my child as well. So I'm still going to have to relive it. So I need to put something in motion to, uh, to stop this, you know, this bullying from all kids, right? Mm-hmm. So, in my own son, you know, I just try to instill in him self-confidence and self-esteem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this bullying conversation is one that um, has caught fire all around the country, um, whether it is with a child with a physical disability or some other, what other kids believe is a flaw or a difference. Um, the level to which um, our children now engage in bullying um, is phenomenal. And so you add on to that uh, the nuance of social media and the way that bullies can bully and be faceless at the same time um, adds another element of our kids being able to understand and really um, hold on to their self-esteem. Um, talk to me a little bit about Caden in the book. Talk to me about some of what he's going through. Okay, Caden goes through what uh, a commonality what a, a lot of kids go through who gets bullied about uh, kids, uh, you know, kids, him going to the store with his family and, and people looking at him strange, you know, and uh, our kids, uh, you know, asking them, you know, what happened to you, what happened to your arm, and uh, then kids not not letting him play at recess due to his disability, you know, thinking that he, you know, can't play with him. So, you know, therefore he has no friends because no one wants to be his friend because he's different and all the other kids are laughing at him, you know, including girls. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, how does that feel? You know, if you like a girl and she's laughing at you or she's scared of you because of your disability, you right. know, that doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah, and so and so it's, it's interesting because um, I'm looking at, the cover of your book or the excerpt that you sent me, and I looked down at the picture, and it wasn't until just this moment that I noticed that Caden had seven fingers. I didn't. It did not even occur to me, looking at the cover, um, that that was the case until you mentioned it. And 
so having said that, there's a there's there's such a difference in a physical disability because people are able to see it um, and able to make fun of it. Did you ever find yourself as a kid trying to hide it? Oh my gosh, man! I grew up, I grew up poor and in the projects, man. And and you, and in the projects is dog eat dog. So I was talked about daily all the time and laughed at. So yeah, you know, you become ashamed because, or even to the point to where you're scared to look in the mirror and see it, right? You're scared to look in the mirror and see it. So uh, and. So it took me years and years to build up self-confidence and self-esteem, and now I'm to the point to where I go around in public. I have uh, other parents stop me and, you know, and ask me how did, did I get to this point because their child has a disability and their child is scared to come out the house or, uh, you know, still tries to hide their disability, you know. So I have these conversations uh, all the time with different parents, you know, trying to, you know, uh, talk them through getting their child to be okay with who they are. And uh, one of the ways I am trying to do this is I just started uh, my own foundation, the Roosevelt Mr. Third Foundation, which I am trying uh, to uh, – the goal is to make disability cool by getting more disabled uh, people inside mainstream media through television shows, through movies, uh, through advertising. So once people can see – people with physical disabilities more, it kind of normalizes it, you know, to where it's to the point, and then, you know, kids with disabilities can see themselves and know that it's okay to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, at what point did you become empowered by your disability? Because I do believe that that is the pivotal transition. The pivotal transition is to look at yourself, realize that you are different, embrace that you are different, and then allow your difference to empower you. When did that happen for you? Uh, I, w I wish I could just tell you it was one moment when I realized it and the grass got green and the sky got blue, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a process, man, to where, uh, you know, when I was growing up, again, you know, growing up in the projects, you know, it's a competitive environment, so we played basketball. And, you know, and kids, you know, so I used to play and I wasn't very good. So I just, you know, used to practice all the time and try to dribble with my right hand and do all these things. So, uh, so I would always challenge myself around my other peers just, just from that competitive nature, you know, to the point to where, you know, I ended up being the captain of my football team. I was all state and track. I got a few offers, a few college offers in football and track and field, right? So, uh, so, for me, it was just myself just pushing myself, saying that, well, I can be just as good as the next person, or I can be just as good as this person. I just have to try harder at it, right? So, uh, But to get to this point I'm at now, it was a totally different transition to where I was actually uh, working on my second master's degree, and we were sitting in a, uh, I was sitting in an autism class, and a professor gave us a book to read from, uh, about autism written through the eyes of someone else. And my 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 first master's degree is in special uh, is in special education. So through all these programs, I'm reading books about disability from people who don't have disabilities. Wow. So I just got to the point I'm you know, I'm sitting in the class. You know, my professor asked me, "Okay, Rosa, what do you like about it?" I said, "I can tell you what I don't like about it is I'm tired of reading books that lack insight. 
I said, you know, it's just like uh, it's just like me trying to teach, you know, uh, a Caucasian person about white privilege, and I never lived white privilege. <laughs> right. it, the, the the words are more profound and effective coming from someone who has insight. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? Right. So, you know, coming from that, you know, so I just kind of push myself to write it as or in a context where people, everybody can gather around it and receive the message. Right. Um, you're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. And our guest today, Roosevelt Mitchell III, he is the author of a new book called Caden is Different. And so as you continue to move the book um, out, uh, where do you believe the most usefulness of the book will occur? Is it in the hands of a child with disability, or is it in the hands of educators who are educating our children with disabilities, or neither or none of the above? It'll be uh, both. Uh, The book actually came out October the 1st, and... uh, and, uh, I, uh, and from October the 1st to probably December, and within the first 60 days, I had already sold over 500 copies to school districts around St. Louis. Uh, the St. Louis Public Library uh, held a book signing for me. They added to their collection. So everyone who sees it actually loves it because it's a, it's a book that the kids love. They love the characters. They love the colors. And as a matter of fact, I'm putting your copy in the mail today. Uh, and uh, so they love it. And then, as well as the educators, they can, the educators and the parents, they love it because it opens the conversation of not bullying and to accept other people's differences. So I think uh, it's, it actually served all those purposes. Wow. You know, a good friend of mine, um, David Miller, um, he's actually on our staff. Um, he also wrote a book called Khalil's Way. And okay. in a very interesting twist, and so I thank you so much for uh, sending me that book, but you should know that I am going to purchase um, several of your books because I want to put these books in the hands of some folks um, okay. that can thank help you and can also help you move your message. I think that your voice needs to be um, heard. Um, ironically, in his book, um, the young boy who I believe is 11 years old, is being bullied because he's smart. And so it's somewhat ironic that in one book, um, the attack on the disability difference is a physical one, but the attack on the young black boy in the other book is what most people would deem something that someone should not be bullied for, and that is being smart. And so I love the contrast. As I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about the contrast in the two books and then bringing both of you back on this show to really talk about this issue um, of bullying. And so um, as you're moving this book, and I'm sure that you've done some reading of it in front of kids, um, how have they um, received the message of Caden? They receive it very well. They uh, they really love Caden. They love the character. And then, again, you know, afterwards, because uh, I've, I've been to uh, several schools reading, and afterwards I ask them questions about it, and they're so engaged, they can say things back verbatim. You know, I'm talking, you know, first and second and third and fourth graders, you know, and then they ask questions, and then we talk about bullying. And 
you know, how I was taped and bullied within the book, and they, you know, explained to me, and then, you know, so we go over it, and everybody, you know, it's truly, truly a blessing because it's like everyone who picks it up really loves it, and I just uh, know that I need to get it in more hands. I actually, uh, uh, Scholastic, I actually spoke to them the other day, and they want me to get a literary agent, so, you know, hopefully we can work together and, and we can put it on a larger scale, you know, so... So I'm, you know, but, you know, at this point, I just want to get the message out there so we can hopefully, you know, put an end to this bullying. So uh, kids with disabilities grow up and develop that self-esteem and, you know, live a productive life. Um, in your message in the video on your website, um, you said something that struck me and you said that, um, and I think you mentioned it earlier in the interview and you talked about um, that there wasn't a hero for you to follow. Um, if you were talking to people and trying to convince them to be um, the kind of hero um, that could help a young child um, gain the kind of self-esteem even up against um, the instance of being bullied, um, how would you convince someone to do that? Well, it's hard using them words, okay, and I, um, I'll give you an illustration. Like, for years and years and years, African-American parents been telling their kids what? Uh, you can be whatever you want to be. You can grow up to be the president of the United States, right? But what President Obama does for them, they give a visual of that. For years and years and years, it's pretty much been a myth, okay, but we never had one, but Mom telling me that I can be one, right? So, but until he showed up now, it made it a reality because now you can look and see it. So it made it, you know, when people see things, it's like it make it real. So for for me, it's harder to think that we can just, uh, I can just talk to someone in the saying, okay, uh, you only have, you're in a wheelchair, uh, but you can be the next Beyonce, right? Until someone who's in a wheelchair is on a, you know, it's top of the billboard, right? So it's just seeing that visual, and that's why uh, I put so much pressure on myself to do all these things so I can become one of the vessels and become a visual myself. And then hopefully I can get other people to come with disabilities out into the media, and main, well, into mainstream media, mm -hmm. so they can just be that, that visual for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I believe that they're being told, okay, you can do this, you can do that, but they just, they just don't see it, wow. right? Yeah, you said earlier, and you, and you spoke about that, you spoke about not being able to look, particularly on TV, and see someone yeah. that looked like you. Do you think that's changed? If you looked across the landscape of television, media, movies, and those things of the sort well, today, have you seen it? Well, I, I mean, I can uh, ask you that question. What, what was the last movie or television show that you've seen that had a disabled lead actor wow. in, in a serious role, right? Uh, Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump. See? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and out of all the movies that's been produced since then and all the television shows, it's really ludicrous, you know, thinking about how many disabled, disabled veterans, disabled people that it actually is in this country. And, uh, and I actually, uh, I actually been going back and forth well, on Twitter, you know, I tweet, uh, Shonda Rhimes and I just wrote an article about her that was, uh, an article, uh, a letter to her. Uh, about her show, uh, To Get Away With Murder and uh, Scandal, you know, mm -hmm. and I was just saying that her show is interesting because it 
it uh, it crosses so many sectors, right? You have you have uh, you have your gays, you have your interracial relationship, you have your cheating, then you have your plot. So my letter to her was just saying, hey, since you're crossing all these boundaries and you're doing such a masterful job, can we include just a person with a disability in there, right? Because there's a market for people with disabilities as well. Mm-hmm. And I. And, you know, and I watched the show last night, Empire, and I tweeted uh, Mr. Lee Daniels the same thing, you know, so uh, it hasn't changed much at all. So, you know, and that's, and again, that's one of the main uh, reasons I started my uh, 501c3 uh, foundation is mm-hmm. to get, is to change that. Right. You know, one of the issues, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking to myself that one of the difficulties in the work that I specifically do around the engagement of responsible fatherhood um, that we see, and we were somewhat in the same boat a couple of years ago. We have seen uh, somewhat of an increase um, in the number of positive roles depicting fathers across the media. Uh, still, nowhere, still nowhere near enough. So I understand the battle to get to where we are. But one of the issues, and one of the reasons I believe that it has been so hard. Um, to get people to embrace the notion of responsible fatherhood is because for the most part people just don't have a level don't have a level of sympathy for men and i was wondering as you were talking do you if i was to ask you do you believe that people have a level of sympathy of sympathy or empathy for people with disabilities how would you answer that i would say uh I would say yes when they're conscious of it, but a lot of times they are unconscious of it, right? So, like, where uh, where we go to church and, okay, say that you feel bad, you think you're down in your luck. Okay, you go to church, and it's not until you hear how worse somebody else got it or they're on their deathbed to you think, well, it can be worse, so now I feel better, only because somebody else is worse, right? Mm. So... So then we go to the grocery store and our kid is running around. We, hey, stop, blah, 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 blah. But once you see another kid rolling in a wheelchair who can't run around and be hard-headed, then you feel better where it can be worse. So at the expense of other people, almost unconsciously, we make ourselves feel better, right? Right. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope on that one, you know? Wow. Wow. That's... Uh... You know, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. And, you know, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, church, because I also noticed on your website that you send letters to both um, Bishop T.D. Jakes and to Dr. Creflo Dollar, and I saw both of them kind of gave you the organizational, you know, general form letter back, you know, thank you. Exactly, exactly, that's why I posted it, exactly. (laughs) You know, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, but is this a message that you believe can penetrate, you know, our spiritual institutions? Yes, yes, because, you know, um, someone in St. Louis told me a few weeks ago, uh, they read the book, and they said, uh, came to different, said, my pastor has a disabled child. She said, you know, uh, you know, I want to get you to come and speak at our church because, you know, you know, pastors, you know, they go through this too, you know, as well, but it's nothing that has been taught on a black church, you know, right. as well, you know, it's, it's like the subject is taboo, and that's what the, uh, the amazing thing I think going on right now with the LGBT rights is just in the early 70s, being gay was considered, uh, considered a mental illness. But now, just 
40 years later, now it's on every major television station, right? So just to see that gives me hope that now it's time for to move the disability movement forward. Wow. Um, this has been an awesome um, conversation, um, Brother Mitchell, um, and I thank you so much for having it. Um, thank you. Tell folks, you know, how they can um, get involved with both you and the foundation, and then more importantly, let's tell these folks how they can purchase this book because we want them. We want to make sure that that happens as well. Okay. Well, uh, thank you also for having me. It's been truly a blessing, but. At- uh, you know, I'm a one-stop shop. I'll make it easy for everyone. You can go to my website at disabilityscholar.com, and you can purchase the book. You can see, you can donate to the foundation. And uh, it also has my phone number and my contact information where you can email me or shoot uh, uh, or call me. So uh, disabilityscholar.com. Yeah, some people real slow, Brother Mitchell. Let's tell them the telephone number. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, my telephone number is uh, 314 Seven zero eight nine one eight zero, and uh, my email is disabilityscholar at gmail dot com, and, and the website is disabilityscholar.com. dot com. And from what I understand, you're also available to do keynote speeches, presentations, and 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 of sort, right? Yes, sir. In professional developments, uh, I have uh, a few colleges call me. To, uh, I'm doing um, some speaking engagement for Black History Month at a few colleges. I'm I'm doing a speech for uh, MLK birthday. I'm doing a professional development next month at the biggest public school in St. Louis. So, uh, yeah, I'm available for for everything. Just uh, look me up on my website and please reach out, whether it's just to tell me uh, if you like my book, if you don't like it, or you know, what I can do different. You know, I just love to hear from you. All right. Thank you, Brother Mitchell, for um, joining us on the Black Bar. You take care, and let's stay in touch so I can help you. Um, move this book um, into all the spaces that it is so critically needed. Okay, thank you so much, brother. You have a great day. Uh, You too. You've been listening to The Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us as we continue to bring you the best in provocative, stimulating, and empowering dialogue. If you would like to support or learn more information about Fathers Incorporated, visit us at www.fathersincorporated.com on Twitter at F-A-T-H-E-R-S-I-N-C-O-R-P and follow us on Facebook at Fathers Incorporated. Remember, your self-sacrificing devotion to your purpose in life and your unwavering faith will carry you through the times of difficulty. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, until next time, be wonderfully and abundantly blessed.